Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet. I'm Manny the Fan. I'm your host, Lou. Speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lose by a score of 130 to 122 against the Milwaukee Bucks. Second half of a back-to-back for both teams, but Milwaukee was home. Um, but of course, Milwaukee was also without, you know, the best player in the matchup with, uh, you know, Giannis being out. And so um, it, it seemed like a fairly even matchup, just even based on the circumstances. And honestly, it was a really back and forth game. Like, it's actually, um, you know, it, it's one of those games that was really entertaining to watch. You know, just uh, first off, tons of offense in this one. Um, you know, both teams just shooting the lights out. Um, obviously, Milwaukee ended up shooting 19 of 39 from three uh, at 53% overall from the field. Just an absurd uh, shooting performance from them. It wasn't necessarily even great, like, ball movement. It was just a lot of guys, like, knocking down threes consistently. I mean, their starting lineup had three, uh, four guys that gave you three or more threes. You know, three from Brooke Lopez, all back-to-back-to-back, actually, in the third quarter. Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen with uh, three and four piece, and then Drew Holiday with five. Drew Holiday, just a killer, man. He He's so good. 37 points, six rebounds, six, seven assists. And by the way, Drew Holiday did, like, I don't know, at least three quarters of his scoring against uh, – against Toronto's forwards too. So that's talking about a, 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 a point guard being able to score, you know, from the perimeter, but also in the paint or in the lane under the basket, you know, post moves against like six, nine forwards. Just really, really impressive. But yeah, just a very um, entertaining game going back and forth. And, um, you know, I think it was pretty apparent early on that the Raptors just weren't ready to defend. I think obviously you can blame some of that on tired legs and everything like that. I mean, the Raptors did play obviously overtime in uh, MSG, and then they're traveling. Luckily, it was a day game in terms of it was three thirty, but still, you're probably only getting to Milwaukee at like I don't know midnight, getting into the hotel and getting into this game, and you know it, it was always going to be tough. But it, it, you know, still, I, I just don't think there's a there's a good reason to explain away the fact that Milwaukee had forty four points in the first quarter. Um, so many of that was just like open threes. Um, you know, by the Raptors, they just weren't guarding well. Um, you know, the Bucks got off to a, a seven nothing start. The Raptors, you know, had some open looks, but they just missed them. Meanwhile, the Bucks were able to run off of every single Raptors make, and that's where or every single Raptors miss, and that's where I really felt like the energy just wasn't there defensively for the Raptors to succeed because the transition defense was just so poor. Like I, I counted at least five or six times where the Bucks would just walk up the floor with a guard. And just pull up for three, not necessarily because these guys are like, you know, elite shooters. It's just because the Raptors wouldn't even have somebody picking up the ball, like the very basics of transition defense. And it was consistently after the Raptors missed, the Bucks would just walk right down and knock down threes. Stuff like that, they just weren't executing well. I mean, look, it's it's also like, you know, Drew Holiday established himself early. Obviously, with Giannis out, he became the number one option and he was dominant. Again, this is this wasn't like um you know, Drew Holiday, you know, was just abusing the Raptors' smaller front court, right? I mean, Fred and Gary definitely gave up a couple buckets to, to Drew. But, you know, even at the start of the game, um, a drive, post, then pivot and finish around Pascal Siakam, right? That's a guy with a 6'11 wingspan or a 6'11 standing reach and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, man, that that's really impressive to be able to finish over a big like that. And then Drew comes down the next play and does it over OG and Anobi as well. And it's just like, damn, you know, like if it's going to be like this, it's going to be a really, really long night. And it was. Um, but, you know, I, I think what was disappointing wasn't necessarily that Drew Holiday was going off. I mean, like on it to 
to a certain extent, you got to expect this. Maybe not like this kind of masterclass, but you got to expect this to some degree. Obviously, he's going to pick you apart. What was disappointing was watching when the Raptors bench came in, how many points they gave up just because they weren't able to guard Joe Ingles, um, which, I mean, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, okay, I understand Joe Ingles is a very crafty player, obviously a veteran, you know, um, you know, I, I suppose a deep bag of tricks. But, like, when you have, like, Precious Achua out there or Chris Boucher or some of these other guys, like, you should be able to come in and guard them fairly effectively, especially when you can switch most of those matchups because the Raptors pretty much only played forwards off the bench. You can switch, switch and guard the perimeter and guard the paint as well. And it was just disappointing to me to watch the Bucks walk into three straight threes where, you know, Precious doesn't pick up on Joe Ingles um, uh, wide open for three. He's guarding the paint. No one's in the paint. The, the Bucks are have a two-on-one on someone in the corner and someone on the wing. Pascal's literally scrambling between the two of those guys being like, okay, if I rotate here, my team is going to help me. And Precious just stands there and just watches Joe Ingles wide open for three. Obviously, he's a very good three-point shooter. knocks it down. Then next play, nobody picks up Joe Ingles in transition. He literally walks up and knocks down those threes. Again, the Raptors' transition defense, just really bad. And then the Raptors um, try to blitz Joe Ingles. And this is the first quarter. You're blitzing Joe Ingles, sending two guys there. Joe Ingles reads that, throws a bounce pass, to the roller, roller then makes the extra pass out to the wing, and it's a wide-open three just because the Raptors, again, failed to contain there. And that's where it was just like, you know, that's frustrating. That was Chris Boucher who who made the decision to blitz and couldn't get back into the play. Another three given up. And then Chris Boucher runs into Joe Ingles and fouls him for three. That was one of three times the Raptors fouled the Bucks shooting for three. Like, the Bucks weren't even going to the rim that much. They only had 21 free throws. Nine of those are on three-point fouls. Like, stuff like that, where it's just like, again, fatigue really sort of factored in. Now, what was really promising was to see the Raptors really scrap and fight to get back into this game. Um, I thought their best stretch was definitely the second quarter, where they won 40-23. to uh, A lot of that was with the bench, so that's good. But at the same time, you know, it was a lot of, like, Gary Trent, uh, you know, taking initiative and scoring with that second unit. I thought that was also Scotty Barnes' best quarter. He was able to get free and really make an impact there. You know, post up here or there, you know, jump hook over... Uh, Bobby Portis again the Bucks you know a tough team for Scotty to score over just because of the fact that they're putting Brooke Lopez out there and he's sort of camping out the rim but I like that Scotty three minutes into the game attacked Brooke Lopez and scored over him with a hook shot kind of just establishing early on that he wasn't afraid to attack right compare that to the last time the Raptors played the Bucks where Scotty didn't really look at the rim for the first 42 minutes of the game three minutes in he's already attacking Joe, uh, Brooke Lopez and scoring over him with a hook so that was nice but honestly the bench started settling as well mostly Precious you know Precious with the step back three uh which I mean wow that, that's that's nice to see um you know the Raptors again using that energy that they have with the second unit who should have fresher legs because they played fewer minutes in New York um they were able to force a couple of turnovers they blitz Bobby Portis they're able to uh you know get out on the run Gary Trent Jr. kicks it ahead uh you know uh, and, and finishes uh, in, in transition. Um, but, you know, Gary continues to get hot, you know, walk in, pull up three. Then he had a catch and shoot three from Barnes. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the Raptors just continued that momentum. When the starters came back in, they kept pushing it as well. Uh, Nick kind of changes rotations a little bit, play a lot of pressures with the starters. That's why Precious ends up playing 26 minutes off the bench. Uh, when Chris Boucher only played 14 and Watch only played eight. Extended Precious's minutes because he was playing well. But he was able to knock down a three, which was great to see. Uh, another, you know, play where he was able to rotate over at the basket. The Raptors were beat 
Pat Connaughton was slipping to the basket and pressures rotated over from the corner, blocked Connaughton at the rim, and then forced two more misses off of Connaughton, who was able to grab his own offensive rebound a couple times. So three stops on the same play right at the rim. Just impressive, really, really impressive stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like you, you, you had, you know, Fred start to sort of catch fire from there. Like Fred was really hot throughout the game. Like he started the game really well. Obviously had a really strong game against New York, continued that here, uh, had a mid range pull up, had another mid range pull up in the first quarter, had an and one drive, had a pull up three to end the first quarter as well. So he was hot to start, but he was also hot to finish the second quarter as well, where Fred was able to, you know, uh, pull up for three against the drop, you know, just after the timeout, the Bucks, you know, um, are trying to guard the Raptors. The Raptors call the play. They got a dribble handoff to Fred. The Bucks are dropping back as they usually do because they're really focused on protecting the paint. So again, if you set a good screen, you you get a good dribble handoff going. Whether with with uh, honestly, even with Pascal or Scotty, like they were dropping off of both those guys. So when you're able to effectively transfer that space over to Fred, Fred's able to pull up, attack the drop, pull up for three. Then Fred finds Precious rolling in the lane. By the way, Precious has been finishing a lot better, sort of just obviously with the threes, it's, it's encouraging. Uh, he knocked down two or three today, but his finishing in terms of on the roll has been really good. He had a pair of those really nice ones against New York in the fourth quarter and had another one here. Uh, the only reason his shooting percentage is really poor is because he had one possession in the fourth quarter where he missed a layup and then missed like four tips for it. I mean, look, obviously I'm trying to praise his finishing, so missing like five shots on the same play is not great but that's kind of like artificially uh deflating his actual field goal percentage i I thought he actually in terms of just if you see that possession as one miss which it really is just one miss like he actually finished pretty well and he had a couple nice finishes um but yeah fred was just kind of taking over you know at the end of the 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 first half there a spin move in the lane um to elude george hill uh and then fred had a pull-up three there at the end of the quarter, our second quarter, where Bobby Portis fully jumped into him and the refs, for some reason, didn't call that. That should have been a three-point uh, foul uh, for the Raptors to go up even more at, at halftime. But, it, you know, it, it, was a, it, it was a strong effort and a really, really solid response by the Raptors after, you know, giving up 44 points in the first quarter, which was a season high in terms of points allowed, points surrendered, uh, and also points scored for Milwaukee. Uh, and meanwhile, that was mostly just on the backs of poor defense, right? Like I described, like a lot of that was just the Raptors weren't able to defend effectively. I think the Raptors should have switched a lot more over the course of this game, but they just weren't doing a good job of executing their schemes. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with exhaustion. Um, but they recovered and they were looking good at halftime. Like they were in a really solid position. Then, of course, the third quarter starts. And yeah, I mean, just again, the Raptors start to bleed points on defense again. You know, it starts off with your 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 one of your team leaders, Fred Van Vliet, runs out at you know Grayson Allen and fouls him for three. I don't even know why, to be honest. He was there for the contest. It, he just like took an extra step forward and bumped Allen in the body. Like, of course, that's going to be three free throws. Then Drew Holiday drives, gets a you know layup through Pascal Siakam. Again, just the size advantage doesn't matter. Drew Holiday just has this like incredible ability as a guard. Um, you know, to finish. And then, meanwhile, Gary Trent Jr. misses a wide-open corner three. The Bucks sprint out the other way. Uh, Grayson Allen is carrying the ball up. No one stops him in transition. He just pulls up for three, knocks it down. So that's a six-point swing. Uh, OJ Anobi goes for a steal um, and, and and misses it against Brooke Lopez. And instead, you know, Drew Holiday is just able to throw an easy lob to Lopez for a dunk. That's another bad play right there. Then Grayson Allen drives, scores a layup around OJ Anobi at the rim. You know, again, you just need a lot better from OG, who was one of the more disappointing players on the night. Um, then OG Anobi, you know, uh, has a wide open three. He misses it. 
Um, and then Brooke Lopez comes back the other way. Nobody picks him up, and he's wide open at the top uh, for three. And that's where the Bucks finally take the lead again, leading 82 to 80. And so Nick Nurse has to call a timeout after the Raptors lose that advantage. But a lot of that is just stuff that they didn't need to do, right? You don't. Fred doesn't need to walk out and foul Grayson Allen. Um, Pascal and OG should do a better job containing smaller guards and Holiday and, and Grayson Allen, but they ultimately don't. OG gambles for a steal and gives up a lob, you know. Uh, and then you know, Gary and OG miss wide open threes. Meanwhile, the bus come back with wide open threes. Those are two six point swings right there. And so the Raptors now have to scrap to get back into the game again. Luckily, Fred's able to come out of the timeout and draw a foul on Drew Holiday. Um, then Fred's able to cross over, get into the lane, dump it off to Scotty Barnes, who was fouled at the rim. Then Fred's able to pull up for three. And all this is good. However, during the stretch, Brooke Lopez pops free for another two threes. Um, you know, Bucks steal the ball. Grayson Allen walks out for another three. And it's just like, no matter what, and, and the Raptors were doing well on offense, they just couldn't defend at all, especially in transition. And that's where the Bucks are so lethal, even without Giannis, because the other aspect of the fact that the Bucks are good in transition is not just the fact that, you know, you have like the most athletic player on earth going to the basket all the time and he's undeniable. It's also the fact that they have such confident three-point shooters who are just like ready to fire at all times, especially when they're hot. It's going to add to even more confidence and the Raptors just weren't able to guard effectively on that front. Um, you know, and yeah, it just wasn't a great shift at all from the th- from from the starters in in the third quarter. I would say only Fred played decently, and even he made a mistake to start the quarter. But like, you know, you had, um, you, I don't know, man, Brooke Lopez making two floaters. The Raptors weren't able to contain him. But then again, also at the same time, like, what are you going to do if a seven footer wants to shoot a floater from like fifteen feet out, and you don't have any seven footers? How are you really even going to contest that? Right? You got to tip your hat to them. Um, but you had just silly plays, man. Like Chris Boucher fouling Jordan Noir was 0.3 seconds left on the shot clock. You know, Noir was in the corner. The pass came out late to him after Joe Ingles was sort of denied. Chris Boucher closes out hard, runs him out the three-point line, which is the right play, and then sticks with Noir, who, again, is a guard with an up fake, and Chris Boucher jumps and bumps him. Now, of course, initially it was ruled as a block. It was a, probably a clean block up top, but there was body contact down low, and the other referee came over, Evan Scott, and overruled uh, the crew chief there, and actually it was a, it was a good call, it was the right call, but still, ultimately, it's like you shouldn't give up a foul with 0.3 seconds left. And instead of going the other way and making it a one-possession game, the Raptors give up two free throws, again, was on 0.3 seconds left on the clock. You know, stuff like that where it's just like they were missing and, and just making mistakes. You know, Scotty Barnes misses a layup. He's upset at, at the no call. To be honest, there probably was contact on that play, but the get, Bucks get out in transition and they get uh, Grayson Allen for a three in transition. So it's like stuff like that where it's just like the Raptors are self-inflicted. They're making mistakes that are just hurting themselves. And that's why the Raptors ultimately are trailing. Once again, they lose the lead that they worked so hard for in the second quarter. And a lot of their mistakes partially due to um, fatigue, but also just straight up not being solid. The Raptors end up trailing at the end of three quarters. And again, Fred was trying to do what he could. A pull-up three again to end the third quarter as well. At least it was like within striking distance. And we've seen the Raptors obviously come back against the Bucks, right? Look, Just look at the last game they played. They were down 14 points with a minute, like 14 seconds left, and they came back on them, and they forced overtime. So obviously, being down six or seven, it's disappointing that the Raptors didn't play defense well enough, but they could still get it done. And, you know, that's where, you know, I thought the fourth quarter started decently. Both teams kind of trading buckets there. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you just had a couple of sequences, again, 
opportunities not made. You know, had, at the start of the fourth quarter, you had Scotty and Precious miscommunicate on a switch up top against um, Joe Ingles. Joe, both guys go with Ingles at the top. They leave Portis slipping to the rim, and Ingles easily finds him for a layup. Again, that's a huge defensive mistake. You just can't start the quarter like that. Then you have Precious and OG on the same play, missing like literally six tippins at the same play, uh, which was not ideal. But, I mean, ultimately, again, you have that many looks at it. You got to make one and, and knock it down, right? Um, you know, you had OJ Anobi fouling Jordan Noir on a closeout um, and giving him free throws. Again, you just expect better, right? You know, OG's like one of your like best defenders, undeniably your team's best defender, and he's giving him a lot of these chances. It, it's 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 tough to watch. Um, you know, and at the same time, Drew Holiday's coming back and giving OG buckets, and you know, it, it was but it was still like a back and forth game, and and uh, you felt confident that like as long as the Raptors were reasonably in it. You know, it, the Raptors could at least compete and get something out of this game. But then this is where the game turned really weird. Was that the, the, there was a play where I think Drew Holiday drove to the basket, scored it over, I don't know, OG or something like that, right? Again, just Drew Holiday had a huge game and it was almost exclusively against elite defenders. It makes me respect his game so much more, right? But he makes a layup, no big deal. On that same play, um, Brooke Lopez was being boxed out by Gary Trent Jr. This is a bit of like a pushing and shoving, whatever, but standard stuff. Um, and then Gary kind of locked up Brooke Lopez's arms, and Brooke Lopez's response was just to like literally walk Gary, and they're they're, they're literally locked together, these two guys. And Brooke Lopez walks Gary into the crowd, right, into the first row seats. And, and while he does that, and his arms are locked, Lopez flips Gary's headband off. Okay, just very, very silly play. OG comes over. He pushes you know, Lopez off of... No, he doesn't push. He's kind of just like... I mean, it is a one-handed push, but it's sort of just like a get off me or get off my guy, Gary. You know, you know, it, one of those. Kind of like dismissal. It's not like he shoved them or anything, right? Uh, and then that sort of obviously creates a crowd and everyone sort of gets together. And again, people are getting pushed into the first row. Not ideal, obviously. You definitely don't want to see anything spill onto you know, the fans. So, of course, the referees have to stop the game. They review it. And at that time, Brooke Lopez was playing amazing, was playing awesome, right? And so, you know, the it, it was thinking about it like, okay, if there are any ejections, like this might actually favor the Raptors, weirdly enough. And so um, after a lengthy review, um, they concluded that Brooke Lopez was slapped with two technicals, uh, one for the first play of flicking, you know, Gary's headband off, and then another, you know, for just continuing to sort of push down low uh, in, in that sort of, crowd there right on the bench so that's two technicals he was ejected however the Raptors don't actually shoot any technical free throws nor do the Bucks because they gave one to Gary and then they gave one to Jamal McGlore who was in as a sort of peacekeeping option but perhaps pushed someone a little bit too hard or whatever ultimately that's his role like to come in and break up fights and obviously that's good that the fight was broken up um it wouldn't even call it a fight it literally was somebody flicking another guy's headband off but at the same time, the outcome was that Brook Lopez was, was ejected. And so at that point, it's like a one or two possession game. And the Raptors, you know, have bought a little bit more rest, obviously, with sort of that long delay. And you're, you're figured that the Raptors might be able to come back and finish strong. But they just kind of weren't able to do it. You know, it, it, it's tough to see, you know, more. It essentially, it was kind of just more of the same for the Bucks. You know, Connaughton making threes, Allen making threes. Um, you know, one of those threes for Allen, by the way, a pick and pop were very, very simple where you just, the Raptors just needed to switch on the play. But for some reason, OG was so lost. He had his back turned to Allen as he popped in the three. Like, again, this is your best defender. You expect way higher, um, standards than that. And, and you, and you missed that chance. 
Meanwhile, the other way, the Raptors were able to score a lot, just mostly through Fred, who scored three super contested uh, driving layups. It felt like no one else really had any legs to get anything off, to be honest. But Fred drove in, you know, uh, you know, contested spinning layup. Should have been an and one. Bobby Porter's bumped him from behind, but no call. Doesn't matter, though. Really good play. Next play down, Fred, same play. Uh, drives, you know, through Portis and gets the lane. Again, a lot of this was with Brook Lopez out of the game, obviously being ejected. There's no more shot blocking for Milwaukee, right? Obviously, they typically have great shot blocking with Brook Lopez and Giannis together. They're so good at locking down the paint. Giannis is sitting out. Brook Lopez is ejected. Fred goes to the rim and scores three straight layups. And some of those were just like in really, really beautiful spin off the glass and all of them over Portis. Um, but again, the Bucks were just able to come back and just keep the Raptors at bay, you know, like, you know, uh, Drew Holiday making tough jumpers again, and 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 you know th- their guys just kept popping threes, and you know to be honest, I thought for the Raptors like they could have just done a better job like containing a lot of that stuff. Like really, switching was the way to go, especially in a game where the Bucks were mostly looking to sort of pick and pop for three. You switch a lot more of these actions, you are, and, and not just switching, but actually effectively communicating those switches and committing to them, and and actually limiting dribble penetration and not putting two on the ball that probably would have helped the Raptors a ton that in addition to getting back in transition because that's also where the area where the Bucks were were, were were firing from three because ultimately you can live with Drew Holiday making all sorts of tough jumpers even if he has the exact same game um, but the Raptors do the other basics like switching on defense and getting back in transition Raptors would have won this game they played well enough right and and they got like just genuinely a sensational performance out of Fred Van Vliet who I saw tons of people still blaming him for this game, which, I mean, like, if you want to say at the end of the game, when the Raptors literally no one else was doing anything, you got OJ and OB in the post, like, bricking a two-foot jump hook. Somehow, how are you going to brick a two-foot jump hook, like, over a smaller player? Um, but it's like, you you had that, or you had Pascal, who was missing a lot of free throws. Although I thought Pascal actually played really well in this game, so I, there's nothing really against him. But it was like, clearly Fred had it going, and, and ultimately he missed, like, two driving layups in transition, both where the Raptors were able to retain possession and another one where he missed a pull-up three because no one else got open on the whole play and he had to jack one up. Like, okay, like, if you want to just, you know, knock him for that, I get it. But at the same time, like, he was clearly the driving force behind this game for the Raptors offensively, made so many tough shots. There was a play where, you know, in the fourth quarter where he literally, like, sprinted to the ball, caught it, and then just fired it right away off the... It wasn't even a dribble handoff. It was like his teammates were trying to set up something... And, and it wasn't really happening. And Fred's just like, screw it. I'm just going to go do it myself and go literally get the ball and, and knock it in. He was doing everything he could. But, you know, the Raptors just weren't able to ultimately come away with this win. And it's just weird. It's weird to sort of watch a game like this where, first off, the Raptors guards were the ones carrying the scoring, right? We had literally two games ago where uh, Gary and, and Fred combined for 10 points, um, you know, against Atlanta's backcourt, which is objectively not a good defensive backcourt. I mean, Murray obviously is, is, is pesky and, and active, but obviously, you know, Trey is not a good defender, but the Raptors only had 10 points against that backcourt. Meanwhile, in this game, Fred Bavlin and Gary Trent, 39 points for Fred, 28 for Gary. I mean, they were awesome in this game, carrying the scoring, knocking in 10 threes between the two of those guys, um, you know, setting guys up, steals, everything you would possibly want from the Raptors' backcourt. And it was weird to see the forwards actually being the ones let them down. You know, like I thought Pascal played his role well. Um, wasn't able to knock in enough, like, catch-and-shoot threes, but we know that that's not necessarily his strength. But, you know, he was able to get into lane, draw fouls. You know, I, to be honest, I just thought he maybe should have needed the ball a little bit more. 
Um, you know, I thought Scotty played his role decently as well. Again, just you know, missed a couple of free throws, two of five from th- uh, from the free throw line. But generally, I thought you know Scotty played his position well, guarded well, had a chase down block, three steals. Um, you know, the only blunder he had was on a fast break where he had two Raptors to his left and one buck on the on the on the right side of the floor. For some reason, he threw it straight to the Bucks rather than to the two teammates that he had, both of which were going to go in for the layup. Meanwhile, on that play, that live ball turnover meant that when the Bucks got possession, they had numerical advantage and they got a dunk out of it. So that was a four-point swing. But I thought Scotty played his role well as well. I thought Precious came in and did well. To me, it was just like, even Wancho came in for eight minutes. I thought he was fine. But to me, it was just very disappointing to watch this from OG Anobi and Chris Boucher, who, I mean... Obviously, with with you expect more from OG, right? With Chris, sometimes he can be erratic, and I thought today, just a genuinely very erratic game from 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 Chris. The fact that uh, Joe Ingles had him in the spin cycle like that. There was one play where Joe Ingles drove to the rim and and gave up a and and, and got an and one over Chris Boucher, and it's like you know I, I get it. Like Ingles is strong, you know he's he's a crafty vet, but like at a certain point, the you, you're letting a guy who is can barely jump drive around the entire perimeter and take you all the way to the basket when you're the bigger player, right? And, and you're giving up an and one on that play. Like, it, it, you know, stuff like that, or like fouling a guy with 0.3 seconds left on the shot clock, or fouling Ingles for three, like, or, or jumping out on Ingles and giving up a three, like so many mistakes that baked into it. Like, there's only so many things you can live with from, you know, a guy who's supposed to come in off the bench and just bring you energy. In fact, you know, and I thought Chris did, bring you energy in terms of three offensive rebounds in 14 minutes. That's good. But at the same time, like even Nick, Nick was like, look, I can't even go back to Chris. He played Wancho in the fourth quarter over Chris. And it wasn't like Wancho was giving him that much, but it, it, it wasn't like actively bad in a lot of those decision makings. But I mean, we do know that there is that flip side for Chris and that's why his minutes sort of go up and down. Sometimes you do think that like, you know what, now that you're 30, like, can you be a little bit more consistent on some of these fronts? You've been in the NBA a long time. You've gotten your big deal. Right? Can you settle into these roles? And you're still seeing the up and down fluctuations with Chris. Not to say he hasn't had great up moments this year. He has. But this game, I thought, was just so many mistakes. Like He probably single-handedly cost Raptors 10 points in this game. I'm serious. It's not an exaggeration. But it happens, right? We, you do know that with Chris. That's an element of his game. I was not expecting OJ Anobi to be this inconsistent in this game. I'm not even necessarily saying the offense, where he was 2 of 13 from the field, including 0 of 4 from 3. He had a 3 where he was wide open in the fourth quarter, where... The only thing I would say in his credit was that it wasn't the cleanest pass to him. Like he had to sort of gather the pass, but he was still wide open for three and he just chose not to take the three. And that's strange to me because you see OG and Anobi usually very aggressive with the catch and shoot threes, right? He doesn't usually turn those down, but he just wasn't able to make anything today, you know? And and it was strange watching some of the possessions that he wasn't making. Like it's a lot of stuff that he can do, right? Where, you know, he... For example, the start of the third quarter after OG, I don't think maybe I had one basket in the first quarter or first half, but you expected him to respond a little bit. Third quarter starts. He has the first shot of the game uh, for the Raptors where he pump fakes a guy off the three-point line, dribbles into the mid-range. Nobody closes out on him there, and he rises up for a wide-open mid-range jumper and misses it. Then he misses a catch-and-shoot three. Then he gambles for the steal on Lopez, which gives up a lob. Then he allows Drew Holiday to score over him. Then OG misses a three. The Bucks go the other way, score a three. Like, stuff like that where it's just like, it just kept compounding for him. And whatever, offensively, we've seen OG have a couple dry ones, right? Like, you know, we obviously know that the the for the bulk of his career, he's been a defensive uh, player whose defense is, like, far ahead of his offense. And this season, we've seen his offense start to really catch up, and that's really been promising. And he's had a lot of great games. 
offensively this season. Today, though, 2 of 13 from the field, you can kind of live with that because you accept that sometimes he's not going to be able to score. And again, some of that was also inflated because he missed a couple of tip-ins, whatever, right? But to me, it was the defensive lapses. Like, you, you would have wanted to see OG take command and, and, and really put a stop to Drew Holiday, right? Like, if we're talking about, like, you know, you know all defensive type or, like, you know, um, if we're talking about um, defensive player of the year or stuff like that, like, we're, we need OG to come up and, and, and step up against Drew Holiday. And, look, I'm sure everyone was tired. The Raptors definitely looked like they were out of gas towards the end, out of ideas even. Um, and the Bucks were able to sort of outlast the Raptors despite also being shorthanded themselves. But OJ Anobi, like, you know, you, you needed him against Drew Holiday in this game. You needed him even just to switch on a Grayson Allen and contain him, right? You can't have plays where you're so lost in, in, off, off a simple, you know, pick and pop that you have your back turned as Allen knocks down a three, right? And that's where it was just like, if you got a little bit more from OG, if you got a little bit more from Chris Boucher, you probably would have won this game. And to be honest, even with them struggling, you do look at the Bucks and say, wow, they did shoot the lights out. I mean, Drew Holiday made 16 buckets. I got to say 12 of those are tough, tough, tough shots. But he made him because he's a great player. But you can live with that. What you can't live with is all the mistakes that you made against Joe Ingles, uh, who had 15 points on four or five shooting. Like, come on. With eight assists. Like, just an outrageously good game for Joe Ingles carving apart your team. Uh, you cannot have simple transition plays where the Bucks had like five or six walk-up threes, nobody stopping the ball. That's where the Raptors lose this game. And it's disappointing to watch because you do see – a genuinely excellent performance for Fred VanVleet, who gave you 39 points, nine rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover. You know, you 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 waste that. You waste a really good shooting performance from Gary, who has bounced back after a couple of cold ones. 28 points, four steals as well. A couple of those where he's just ripping the ball out from a guy on the perimeter or ripping it out from a guy in the post and then launching the other way. It's one of my favorite things that, that Gary does. When he goes for a steal, he really goes in there with two hands and just snatches it from guys. And he's running out the other way. And he's and he obviously he was hot from three. He started cooling off in the third quarter, missed some some key ones, but ultimately a really good offensive night from from Gary Trent. Um, you know, Pascal also very good. I would say like you could probably see better games from Pascal this year, but ultimately f- very efficient. 23 points and eight of 13 shooting, pushed the break, defended at the rim, a help side block in the third quarter, which was huge, right at the rim there. Uh nine rebounds, three assists. You know, it's just pretty efficient outing from from him and in a pretty good like all-around connected game from Scotty like I didn't expect him to score uh, and dominate um, in the same way just because of the fact that he was going to be guarded by Lopez who no matter what it's going to be a hard you know deal for anybody to score over um, but you had all these great performances you had all this scoring you just couldn't get the defensive element to go and on, honestly understandably like second half of back-to-back and the opponent shoots like that, you're probably going to lose like 90% of these games. But I think what really hurts is the fact that the Raptors had a chance to win this game. And you had some of your really, really good, really dependable, long-time players who have been in your program a long time who just weren't able to deliver today. And yeah, ultimately, you know, that's, I guess those are the margins, right? You you either take these and win them or you don't. And for the Raptors this season, the storyline has more been that they haven't. And then of course, it's I can't believe it's already 30 minutes in, but I can't really forget the fact that if you're Nick Nurse and you're coming into this game, you got to be able to extend your rotation, right? Because look, it's not even saying that like you got to play guys who aren't productive off the bench. Because the guys who didn't play, Stad Young, Ron Harper Jr., Joe Wieskamp, Ken Birch, Christian Coloco, Malachi Flynn, Jeff Downton Jr., Delano Banton, like none of these guys were guaranteed to give you something. Maybe Thad, um, but like none of these guys were guaranteed to give you something. 
But at the same time, in the second half of back-to-back, after you just played overtime, after your starters each played 40 or more minutes, right, in that overtime game, and you're traveling, you probably need to extend your rotation or at least look for some other options there, right? Like the Bucks, for example, they usually go a little bit deeper anyway, but they played five guys off the bench. And some of them wasn't significant. Like, you know, Javon Carter come in for seven minutes or like A.J. Green coming in for six minutes in the first half. That's not that significant. Really, like if you really break it down, the Bucks really played more a eight-man rotation, just sort of similar to the Raptors playing an eight-man rotation, but it wasn't fully similar, right? The Raptors really played a seven-man rotation with Wancho taking some minutes from Chris, um, but them only actually playing a combined 22 minutes. Precious was obviously your six-man, and he contributed. But meanwhile, the Bucks got contributions from Jordan Nawara. They got, obviously, huge contributions from Joe Ingles, and then George Hill was able to come in and just at least do something, right? Like, just bring the ball up and, and have a couple scores here or there. And just be solid, but buy some time for the rest of your guys. And ultimately, you're not that surprised that the Bucks are able to finish stronger when their guys, when I'm looking at their minutes, 35, 29, 35, 30, 33. Meanwhile, for the Raptors, 40, 35, 37, 37, and then 43 in the case of Gary Trent Jr. Like, yeah, no, there's no surprise that Raptors probably faded in that one. And that's where coming into this game, I understand sort of how the Raptors were in it. And obviously them being down meant that sort of like Nick was pressing a little bit more, but only playing seven and a half guys really in this, in this rotation or really should be seven in, in a second half of back to back. You can't be that surprised that your defense was so porous uh, and that, you know, you weren't able to close in at the end of the game. So lessons to be taken, but obviously right now it's not about lessons. It's about the results and the result is that the Raptors lose another one. And they dropped to 20 and 25. And this, by the way, the first time the Raptors lose in Milwaukee in, in a long time. You know, the Raptors have consistently been going to Milwaukee and winning. Even when they were in Tampa, they were going to Milwaukee and winning. The Raptors have done a really good job uh, competing against the Bucks. And whatever, both games the Raptors have lost against the Bucks have been close. But ultimately, like, you know, this was this usually was one of those games on the calendar where no matter what the Raptors are doing, if they go to Milwaukee and they pull off an upset victory people feel really good about that, right? And and we've had that consistently over the years, obviously going back to 2019. I mean, honestly, even going back before that, like even 2018 when DeMar DeRozan had his, his 52, um, you know, he, you know, like even before that, JV with the game-winning dunk against Milwaukee, like the Raptors have just, or even before that, Bruno with his debut against Milwaukee, the Raptors have just really like owned this matchup against Milwaukee. Right, there was always when you saw Milwaukee in the schedule. No matter how well Milwaukee's playing, no matter how poorly the Raptors are playing, you always felt a little bit good about it because the Raptors had a really good plan. And you got a golden opportunity with Giannis out, and you just ultimately can't guard and don't have the energy to guard. And, and you know, it's it's disappointing. I guess I, I think I've I've grown really used to sort of like these uh, momentum shifting wins over Milwaukee, and today could have been one of those. But uh, you know, as this is the story of the year, it was just kind of a missed opportunity for Toronto. So to wrap up the podcast, I'm going to uh, hand out the three stars. First star, I'm going to give it to Fred Van Bleet. 39 minutes, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, 15 of 28 from the field, 6 of 12 from 3, 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Um, you know, should be honest, should it be a 40 ball? Like Bobby Portis fully fouled them at the end of the first half. That should have been three more free throws. But yeah, just an excellent performance. I mean, if you, if you honestly, if you find yourself like not not critiquing his game because obviously you can nitpick a couple of plays and it's not great that he got blocked on two shots at the end there. But if you find yourself actively finding reasons to dislike Fred for this game, you might just have to check yourself in the sense that like you just might be too deep in like the the anti Fred agenda. You can be like on the 
part where you want to move on from him. You see he's an impending free agent. You don't feel comfortable signing him or you don't feel like comfortable committing to him because of the fact that the Raptors want to shift, you know, to playing only forwards. I get all of that, but like, it, it's just, it, it's, it's in a really bad place. Like the fact that he played this well and people are still finding ways to just attack him is, I don't know, whatever it is what it is. I suppose it's just fan reaction at the end of the day, but yeah, he's, he's your first star. Second star. I'm going to give that to, I'm going to give it to Gary 28 points, uh, three rebounds, three, uh, two assists, four steals, four threes made for Gary, 10 of 19 from the field. Uh, got fouled from another three as well. Um, yeah, 43 hard-fought minutes for Gary Trent Jr., man. That's the guy you want, um, you know, by your side when when you're in a tough game like that. You, obviously, he's a tough shot maker. And then your third star really comes down between Pascal and Scotty. Um, I, I, hard to decide because they both kind of have the same strength, both have the kind of the same weaknesses. Um, but I think ultimately I, I will give the edge to Pascal in this one. 23 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, a block. Um, just you know, more efficient from the field overall. You definitely wish he made more of his free throws. Again, you know, the Raptors miss 10 free throws. They lose by eight points. That's not necessarily how it works, but it's also one of those things where you look at the, the, the column and you're like, you could have been in this game with a couple more more uh, made chances. And, of course, the bulk of those were missed by Pascal and Scotty, who missed, uh, who were a combined eight for 16, so literally 50%. But at the same time, I thought Pascal was able to take his advantages, attack certain matchups, set guys up, the usual stuff from Pascal. Um, and yeah, even though he played 40 minutes, I, I just wish he was more involved towards the end there, but I, I get it. Like it, He even looked really tired, um, so it is what it is. Yeah, your Gerald Henderson award winner, that's obviously got to go to Joe Ingles. 15.6 rebounds, 8 assists. Just made the Raptors look so silly time and time and time again. And that's where, like, for some of the players, like, you know, it's a good reminder that, like, you can have all this, like, physical ability and size and quickness and youth and energy, but sometimes, like, smarts trumps all of that. And watching Joe Ingles today just run circles around, and not even run, walk circles around the Raptors, it was just like, damn, you know, that's just, he just outsmarted the Raptors all night, and you got to hand it to him. So that does for the Reaction Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, you can find all episodes of the Raptors show Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for The Raptor Show with Will Lou and you can find it there. And when you do, please continue to rate, review, subscribe. Got another episode coming out tomorrow uh, recapping this game and looking ahead sort of the rest of the week. So catch that, um, you know, between 2 and 3 p.m. watching on YouTube, listen to it on radio, uh, find the podcast, watch it on TV, wherever you would like. But uh, for now, I'm going to sign off. Thanks all for listening. And uh, I'll check back in after the